there's a joke in here, and I've been working on it. I can't quite make it come out right, especially on a family podcast, all right? We got to get the freaking cats off the freaking airplane. So did you hear the story about the cat that got loose on the airplane, on the jetliner? I, I would have been thinking for days about the uh, about the cockpit conversation with dispatch. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in, to be clear here, they were not in flight, right? They were on, still on the ground. They were still on the ground. Yeah. And somebody had their kitty in like their purse or something like that, right? Yeah, because that's a really bad place for them to be. Yeah, and and so and the cat decided it didn't, and and so this is a passenger who boarded the plane and was seated, and then somehow maybe I, I probably ought to just read well, the story. A, it was in a cat carrier. Okay, and the cat escaped is the is the punchline, as Jeb right. would say, right? The cat escaped, and in and as cats will do, and this is I total I don't even I've never even owned a cat, and I've had this experience. All right, if a cat wants to get away, it will find its way into the most tiny, you know, spot behind the couch, under the, you know, sink kind of thing, right? And that's apparently what this cat did. Um, let's see, you know, I'm looking at a, uh, this is a posting. He ended up in the avionics bay. Yeah, he'd like, like, then he's like, better not let the terrorists know you can find your way through there like that, right? This is a, uh, No, that's the next thing you'll be, will be uh, checked for cats that's right that's right if you're going to bring a cat on board you have to put it in a plastic bag and let them scan it separately i i forget which um you know there's several asian countries which are you know islamist but knowing the way some of our 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 compatriots in in the forces of darkness uh will will react um you know they will start banning anything but a you know uh, domestic American cat, Siamese cats, <laughs> Siamese cats. Forget it. You're forget not getting it. on the plane, man. Forget it. it ain't right? gonna happen. Yeah. But I, I really think ultimately this is just one more argument in favor of the old saw about the pilot, the autopilot, and the dog. Okay. <laughs> Tell us this old saw. About well, you know the, the old saw that you know there's going to be in the future there'll be three things in the cockpit: a, a pilot, an autopilot, and a dog. And the pilot will be there to monitor the autopilot, and the dog will be there to bite the pilot if he touches the autopilot. <laughs> we now have another reason yeah. to have the dog in the cockpit. Right, to stop the cat from coming into the cockpit and, keep, and wheedling exactly. its way then to the avionics bay. Exactly. That so. airplane was delayed for four hours over this. I can believe that. I've had a hard time getting well. the darn cat out of the uh, wherever <laughs> it's gone to hide. Reading from a, uh, this is a story from CB. This is in Canada. Well, no wonder this is a problem. This is in Canada. This is, it wasn't, TSA never would have let this kind of thing happen. All right. Oh, God, no. Yeah, right. loose cat in cockpit de- delays Air Canada flight. Feline takeoff keeps plane on tarmac. An escaped cat kept an Air Canada flight grounded for several hours on Wednesday. Flight 603 was supposed to leave Halifax for Toronto just after 5.30 a.m., but the takeoff was delayed when a cat escaped from its carrier in the plane's cabin and fled to the cockpit. The feline bolted when the door to the carrier was inadvertently opened by a passenger who was attempting to put luggage in an overhead compartment. See, I, I think the cat heard that the avionics system had a mouse to run it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it turned out to just be a touchpad. Uh, when it got up there uh, and exposed all that uh, DC and AC current, it went catatonic. And they always shrink 70% when they do that. 
Mm-hmm. So they they're able to occupy much smaller it's spaces. Like heat, heat shrink tubing, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, but here, here's here's another question. Of course, is you know they took them four hours to to verify the airplane was was airworthy after all of this and whatnot. I want to know which page in the maintenance manual they used to <laughs> to run the checklist. Because I doubt there's one in there that says "cat in cockpit." Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> and there may be one for pet loose in the airplane. No, I doubt uh, that too. You know, uh, but that's you know, usually a luggage compartment thing. In the story here, quotes one pass one passenger said that uh, he first he or she he I guess first heard about the trouble when a flight attendant announced they were looking for a cat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ten that that beats beats the British Airways one though. In the middle of the night? Oh, yeah. We talked about that last week. You weren't around. Yeah, yeah, yeah we I did know. talk about that last week. That's, yeah, I know. <laughs> this, this had to be one really ruffled ripple. Yeah, I know. Ripples. So 10 minutes stretched into 20. More time went by with no sign of Ripples the cat. The attendants apologized for the delay. Uh, then the, the passengers quoted again here saying, then the engines turned off and the whole power on the plane turned off. And they said they were doing this to calm the cat. Like, what are we worried about calming the cat for? Uh, as the crew scoured the the plane the cat's owner repeatedly called out for the pet this is just the saturday night live episode begging and, and, and for somewhere right across the jetway was probably somebody serving food with meat in it oh yeah <laughs> if dangled on a stick in front of the cat would have gotten a lot farther than here ripples 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 yeah. so the passenger said that at one point he looked into the cockpit at one point and said it looked as if it had been taken apart it wasn't just a simple matter he says of trying to find it under someone's feet it was actually within the wires of the plane so it's pretty bizarre how it got there oh, how man. the hell did how do you how the hell do you name a cat ripples yeah well <laughs> uh, i mean what did we overlook Boone's Farm and Mad Dog 2020 <laughs> and Thunderbird and Night Train? And- so I have to say there's a lot more to this story, and I'm not going to try and read it all here, but there is a picture which makes it appear that the baggage guy is about to feed the cat carrier into yeah. the input <laughs> of the engine, right? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of an odd, odd angle. Ready on one. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? There we go. Hey, welcome, folks. Episode 272 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. Clear. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really no good background noise That's yeah right. this is this is the best seat in the house That's right. we got sky riders now we got sky riders, we got sky riders they, they, now. It, does that say ucap i can't it's got a runway in the front yard <laughs> <laughs> and you're in sight clear around turkey central ground good afternoon sir taxi via foxtrot and delta Recording this episode on uh, what is it? Thursday, February second, twenty twelve. Uh, Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. Groundhog Day. Uh, Indeed, six more weeks. We'll be doing this again in just twenty minutes. Yeah. So well, that's what, what happened? Did did Punxsutawney Phil see his shadow or not this morning? I never. He checked. saw his shadow. He saw his shadow. Well, that's good. Yeah. That means that uh, that winter's almost over, right? One of these years. No, no, no. It's the other yeah, way around. It's the other way around, love. Yeah. I always get confused. Yeah, so I right. just ask, winter more or not? <laughs> yeah. Six more. Six more. But when are they going to figure out that for years he he's always seen his shadow because of the TV lights? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Jeff, what he were you going to say? Sees, he always sees his shadow because there's always six more weeks of winter. Name one year in which he has not seen a shadow. I don't know. 
Yeah. I was driving through, uh, I was driving around through, so I was on my way home. A couple days ago, I came back from, from Florida, and I was driving on the Beltway around Washington, D.C., and I was listening to a random radio station that I, came, that I found on the dial, and they announced that there was a group in Washington, D.C. that were trying to recreate the, uh, the Groundhog Day, the Punxsutawney Phil thing, in Washington, all right? They were going to do the whole thing with the top hats, and they had actually wanted somebody to dress up as, um, what, Ned Ryerson, the character from the movie, okay? But, but here's the punchline, all right? This is like the the day before um, uh, Groundhog's Day, and they still didn't have a groundhog. They were like asking, does anybody have a groundhog? We need a groundhog. And, Somebody uh, needs to tell them that they generally hunt groundhogs in that part of the United States. Do they really? So, yeah. So yeah. Um, they were trying to recreate this thing. They were apparently going to do it with a stuffed groundhog or something like that. But uh, now, Where's Andy McDowell when you really need her? I know. <laughs> That was a great movie. That was a great, great movie. movie. Yeah. With, with, a, with a little luck, they'll think of it again next year. <laughs> I know. Huh? Hey, I got three of my good friends with me in the virtual hangar tonight. Uh, let's see now. First of all, that's uh, that voice there was Dave Higdon, who's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. How are you doing tonight? Doing lovely. Wonderful day in the air. Capital. Uh, we got the suntan oil out this week. Uh, huh. And uh, uh, I saw my first Robin 10 days ago. No way. No, seriously. Uh, it was holding up a couple of chickadees for the worms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah guys he was got... in Brownsville, Texas, but, you know. Is there snow on the ground there, David? No, man. It's like 68. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Also here in the virtual hangar is Jeb Burnside talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How are you tonight? I'm well. Um, I feel guy. like I just saw you the other day. Oh, you I did. did. <laughs> yeah. You did? Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, just uh, another beautiful day in FLA. I know. I know. I, I don't even want to think about that too much. <laughs> but uh, And also uh, joining us this week uh, uh, happily is uh, Amy Laboda talking to us from uh, just up the street. No, I was, what was I going to say? I was going to say over the river and through the woods from there Fort Myers, Florida. Huh? <laughs> hi, hi, Amy. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Thank you very much. Although I have to say that it's gone gray here. We've had a lovely little swath of of uh, cloud come in over the course of the day, and it's kept it from what it's been doing the last two or three days, hitting 83, 84 degrees, which is unheard of typically this time of year. Although my grapefruit tree loves it. Are you it serious? It, it touched yeah. 80 a number of different times when I was at Hidden River. Yeah. Ah, but that's my point. It's not typical to, for it to touch 80 um, oh, okay. in January and early February. Well, shh, don't tell anybody because I, I like okay. it. It's a good, I know. It's a fine arrangement that you guys have down there, whatever it is. <laughs> So, so anyhow, the doors you at, uh, are open and the breezes breezes blowing through. You missed me. I we know. missed you at Sun and Fun. So Sun and Fun at uh, Sebring. Um, so we were uh, Jeb and I were there on Thursday, and then you were apparently there on Friday. And then we, I was. We were yes. all meet up on Saturday, but you got called away to work. So that happens sometimes, I guess. But, yeah, uh, it, it it was a it was a timing issue between myself and and my art director who controls the flow of layout. And that that's the problem is she controls the flow of, yeah, layout. Anyhow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you fly up to Sebring? We did fly up to Sebring. We came in the RV-10 um, simply because time was an issue. And the Kit Fox, um, which I love to fly to Sebring, takes ooh, almost three times as long to get there and come back. Really? Yeah. On those short um, flights... The RV-10 makes a big difference. 
It 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 really because you know you're losing you you're really only climbing out at sixty and then maybe you're going ninety over over to Sebring with the RV ten you can climb out mm-hmm. at one hundred and forty right you know it, it it it's a big difference and I think we were showing one hundred and seventy across the ground mm-hmm. and you're just you're there you're there mm-hmm. and we came in quite early before the tower opened. Um, which oh. made it very easy, yeah, but that's... here was the cool thing. So did you know? Yeah, go ahead. We cool. put a, you know we put ADSB in the airplane, and as we as we were coming in for landing, and it was really quite quiet. We we were the only one in the pattern at the time we came in, although there were a couple of airplanes landed before us, and all of a sudden this ghostly voice, which was the tower, who was not open, but obviously they were in there, said. You know, Niner Alpha Bravo, do you have ADSB on board? <laughs> we came back with, um, yeah. He said, I can see your end number. Yeah, really. I don't even know what to make of that. It's... <laughs> yeah, all of South Florida has been wired for ADSB out and in for a couple of years now. Yeah. Well, and what's even better is it's wired for helicopters. And so we pick up traffic and weather at two three hundred feet second you come up in the into the air it starts feeding the feeding the data which is not true everywhere in the country so it sounds like you're having a good experience with it we're having a really good experience when we took off it was um jumping it was right right about noon maybe a little tiny bit before noon on friday and there was obviously a ton of targets everywhere and you can see um a predict predicted trajectory for the target as well as the target um and i saw somebody form up on us and it was an rv7 and i was Hmm. watching him because the key is you see it it blows up and says traffic alert you look and boom the traffic's right there it works Hmm. works beautifully um so your eyes are outside that's your adsb right that's not a separate box like uh uh the old ryan or Avidon, no. that's the, your exchange it, with, yep. Yeah, it, cool. it's feeding right into, it's overriding my transponder. I can actually turn it off and my transponder, my 327, works again. Um, the transponder controls it when the flip, when the fist switch is up in the on position. Um, but what it does is it feeds into my GRT avionics screen. And mm-hmm. so I'm seeing it on my, on my MFD basically and then it when it sees a traffic alert come within the the circle that i've defined um it blows up red on the screen and gets big hmm. so now are, are you seeing all other traffic or just other adsb equipped traffic oh, she's Ooh, seeing, I'm seeing all anything of them. with a transponder hmm. okay yeah it's really quite nice and there's no ghosting like the tis does so you mm-hmm. don't see yourself um which is really nice, and that's because of the information that you're broadcasting to the system. Mm-hmm. It, it knows who you are. Now, tell us a little bit more about what – I'll leave it to you whether you want to tell us brands of gear, but tell us the nature of the gear that you've installed. You, you have ADSB in, out. What, what do you got there? Uh, I've got the Navworks box. There you go. And it's a transceiver. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got that back. We ordered it right after Oshkosh. It took about 10 weeks for them to deliver it, which didn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, and who, who did the install? 
Uh, we did. Oh, cool. That would that would that would be it was a it was a true we, and the reason it was a true we is because Barry did the actual physical install, but I had to help him with the hookup on the computer and the terminal emulation so that you could program the box with your information and tell it what kind of transponder you had and tell it how to talk to the transponder and the GRT. And there was quite a bit that had to get done. Mm-hmm. And it was real basic computer ease. I mean, it was a terminal emulation system. And mm-hmm. when you finally got it all, well, you know, it was, okay, we got a nine-pin serial out. No, 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 no. You don't understand <laughs> I don't have anything you could put a nine pin serial into that's a computer. Mm-hmm. Who does anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, so hang on. I think I own somewhere an old, you know, uh, adapter to the UD- USB, mm-hmm. which, by the way, has a driver. So you got to go find that old driver and put it into Windows 7 now. <laughs> Are you following me? Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Bye. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Miserable. Jeb, Jeb, you, Jeb, she not only so so she not only flies and owns an airplane, but she knows about serial ports and oh <clears> my goodness, she's she's oh. married and her husband's bigger than me. Yeah, I know. I and know. he's a mechanic. I know. Yeah, Although you are the, too. Although well, you the, are. Box, the box itself is a little tiny thing, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's back in the avionics rack in the back, which um, you know, with the GRT, you've got the AHARS and all that other stuff back there. So sure. there's usually, you can find a good mounting point back there. And we, of course, had installed conduit when we originally pulled wire. So pulling wire isn't as bad as you think. It takes right. two people <clears throat> still. But with that sure. conduit that we put in and, and being of sufficient diameter, um, there was room, it was planned, that there would be additional wires that would mm-hmm. be pulled at some was, point along the way. Was hooking it up much of a problem Wiring no. wise, it's pretty no. straightforward. More than anything else, our issues were with the fact that our own wiring diagram had never been properly updated. So, if you followed the wiring diagram to rehook stuff up, you ended up putting some things backwards. So, the initial uh-huh. test on it, we had you know bad pins in bad places, and like our uh, one of our radios wasn't working properly. And well, that was because the original wiring diagram for the airplane was not correct. Hmm. And instead of taking pictures as, as Barry was pulling the plugs and stuff like that. How know, do you like the weather? I like it a lot. Yeah, no, we're talking about the weather. Okay. Uh, you're talking about the weather that's... Uh, that's yeah, uh, I'm talking about the weather that comes from uh, yeah. the Flight Information System B that ADS-BN gets you. I like it a lot, yeah. um, quite Did, frankly. I'm getting more than I was paying for with the um, uh, with the XM radio. Yeah, okay. Could you say that again, please? You're getting more. I am getting more weather products now than the subscription that I was right. on with XM radio. And right. how, how much is your uh, subscription now? I have no subscription anymore. Yes, it know. doesn't cost I... me anything. <laughs> Prosecution rest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Although I do pay taxes. 
Yeah, but you know, give them a minute. They'll start charging for it eventually. Before I forget, I'm Jack Hodgson, and uh, I'm talking <laughs> yeah, to you from... Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's a challenge. I, it was a good challenge. I haven't had a chance, haven't had an opportunity to forget in some time now, so I'm glad I didn't. I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking to you. I'm back again, once again, at the UCAP Winter HQ on the evergreen slopes of Garrison Hill in Dover, New Hampshire, where I've returned after my, my little retreat to uh, Hidden River. Uh, back home again in old New Hampshire. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's pretty interesting about the ADSB. So, uh, you're obviously pretty happy with it, and uh... yeah, it works great. Um, I have to say, I haven't had a lot of chance to try out, you know, uh, what it's going to be like to to pick around um, storms and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, uh, works great for for uh, all the things I've tried it for. Well, now, so traffic alerts and weather. Do you get any other functionality out of it? Uh, the fact that it's integrated into my GRT is um, very, very nice. And the fact that I can turn it off and on because my husband, who's paranoid, put that switch in there is kind of nice, too. Well, and when we say weather, you get METARs and TAFs and uh, text weather. Uh, text weather in terms of, of, of reports, and um, you can even get, I think... Uh, Tops. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. And then you get the um, radar and satellite pictures. Does it also give you lightning strikes? It does not give me lightning strikes. I don't have okay. it set up to do that. Um, it does give me um, the the radar, the Nexrad, and the Nexrad seems to be real quick. It's much more, from what I've seen so far, much more reliable than the XM in this area, and far and away above what the TIS did. Yeah, they got a pretty good bandwidth for that when they set that up. Uh, and the ground network, the ground network that backs that up, uh, I saw something from the FAA a couple of weeks ago talking about, and I believe this, it might take me a while to find it in my files, but I believe they were saying that they pretty much had the whole country now wired and on the ADSB ground station network. There'll still be some thin spots, and they'll be continue to add more stations over yeah. the next three or four years, but that they were declaring it operational countrywide. Yeah, I mean, man, if the temporary tower at Sebring had it, right? Then, well, yeah. they didn't have to have it. All they had was a radar repeater. Yeah, oh, yeah. I see. Oh, they had one of the... Oh, yeah, right. it's okay. combined onto their stations. I see. Yeah, okay. Well, that's pretty interesting. You're going to have to give us some uh, follow-up reports as you get more and more chances to to fly with it. But uh, it sounds pretty promising. Jeb's being very quiet. No, I, I don't. I, I, it's fascinating. I'm glad to, glad to hear this. Yeah. And, I, you know, ADSB. Um, I guess the punchline is um, I get most of that in my cockpit right now and have well, for Well, yeah, several. you do. You do. Yeah, yeah but you're not... Uh, the, Go ahead, the, the, the one thing I was going to say is, for years, I had poo-pooed the weather. Or, not the weather. I had poo-pooed the traffic, the utilitarianism right. of the traffic. Right. Right. And I have to tell you that I have found the ability to see, look, see, which is, ha, look at that traffic, look the way it's coming. It looks mm-hmm. like it could be a conflict. Now I have it. Oh, now it's conflict, but I've adjusted a little bit, so it's not a conflict. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm finding that it's actually not keeping me inside the cockpit. It's actually drawing my eyes out 
more even, you might say, because I'm anticipating that that could be a problem out there Mm -hmm. and thinking about it. And the best... the best example of that was I came on New Year's Day. I came back from uh, Panama City over the top of the Tampa Class Bravo. Mm-hmm. And I did that um, with the traffic, you know, and I was looking at all the stuff. I figured, hey, they can see me. They know where I'm going. They right. know everything about me. I don't have to participate. Let's see how this goes. And I saw traffic descending and i thought huh look at that let's see what that happens with that sure enough it's becoming Mm -hmm. a conflict all of a sudden the traffic stops its descent Hmm. and i look out and i see a landing light i go huh Mm -hmm. look at that and Mm -hmm. i make a tiny little adjustment and he comes by and the second he comes by it's a southwest 737 he starts Mm -hmm. his descent again right Mm -hmm. through my altitude He, he literally stopped 200 300 feet above me but because I made that little tiny adjustment, it was all he needed. So there was no way that we were actually going to be a conflict. And he started his descent again. And I went, he saw me and I saw him. That's how it's supposed to work. Exactly. We could both anticipate what we wanted to do, do it. And there was no, no significant impact to the flight. And that to me is the big punchline. Uh, and the box that lets you do that. Uh, and you know, not and air traffic about the control rest of the avionics to, to support it. Sorry? Yeah. And no air traffic control. Well, in the box is about is a fraction of what a, 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 an active collision avoidance system would be to put in the airplane and have just playing on the same screen. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. Um the big the big punchline here is ATC didn't have to get involved. Mhm. Very cool. Very cool. I'd like to uh, next time. I'll be back down in in, in a couple months, and, and hopefully I'll make it down to Fort Myers. I'd like to see this installation. That looks pretty cool. You, you dude, you'll be back down next month. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. It is next month. That's yeah, right. Um, <laughs> anyways, we better move along here. Uh, uh, but before we move on, um, just just calling back to the uh, cat in the avionics store. I want to thank listener G Marshall for uh, calling our attention to this in the forums, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, so. Uh, they did apparently get the cat, right? I, I don't even know how the story ended, right? They must have found the cat. and, uh, and uh, I, I did see a special on cat fritters. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, they found no, the no, cat. No, 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 they, no, 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 no. They managed to skin that cat. <laughs> we, uh, we got another video here. This is, a really, this is actually a very cool, sobering, kind of frightening video uh, of, a, uh, of a, a, a near or essentially a midair. Um, we've got uh, c- a cockpit video sort of out the front uh, screen of, of, a, of an aircraft. I'm looking, oh, it's in a foreign language, so I don't know what, uh, what kind of airplane it was. But, uh, but so he's, he's, he's droning along at cruise, all right? And all of a sudden in this video, another airplane comes out of the lower right of his view and kind of crosses his line of sight up to the upper left, all right? And and at first you think, wow, that was close, all right. Uh, and then you suddenly realize that something happens. And what happened was that the airplane that passed through the view was a glider tow plane, and uh, our, our our point of view airplane actually tangled with the tow cable apparently. And uh, and it uh, and it uh, you see the airplane kind of go out of control and start spinning. And uh, but here's the punchline: uh, is that uh, 
they had a shoot, uh, an airplane shoot on this airplane, and so he popped the shoot, and then we now we see again from in the cockpit you see this airplane kind of drifting and 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 spinning around, uh, but safely now at the bottom of the parachute and uh, drifting all the way down to the ground. Do you guys see this video? Did you look at it? I'm looking at it now. That's that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I know, doesn't it? Huh? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, is bad. Go ahead, Amy. I was going to say, but the system worked. Well, that part's terrific. The the, the shoot part is awesome, no question about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, the near midair part is just just goes to show you how scary this whole thing is. I mean, you know, as bad as it was that he tangled this tow wire, um, you you got to think. I mean, I don't know whether the whether the glider was still attached or not, um, but uh, that could have been just Can't you know tell. you know so. Uh, yeah, it didn't really. It, it if the guy if if there had been a sailplane at the end of that or hang glider for that matter. Uh, that guy's in a position to cut away really quickly. Uh, the tow pilot, he'd want to get loose from that too. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's usually a way that they can drop that line from the cockpit. Uh, so the guy that was really in, in the most peril is the guy that's got the rope wrapped around his propeller shaft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so and, uh, uh, when this first popped up, uh, it was pointed out to me by a, a, another pilot that I know that flies sailplanes pretty regularly, and he's you know he said you know I'm not sure that he couldn't have landed that dead stick and I said right right up to the point that that rope dragging across the ground snagged something yeah there you go oh yeah that maybe that parachute was the right idea so the description of this video which is in French uh, according to Google Translate uh, here's what it says this video shot from inside a small plane could give the chills could give chills to many pilots the aircraft struck the cable of a glider tow and soon became un. Uncontrollable. The pilot then made an ingenious built-in parachute system. What it, it, what it says is the pilot then made an ingenious par- built-in parachute system, which saved his life. Uh, it may well have said something more along the lines of the, he popped the ingenious chute or something like that. Um, the accident occurred near Gap, France, uh, and it says the video ends with images of a parachute deployment on a Cirrus, which is obviously the one that it's... Uh, well known for the shoots are well. well the, known the tail end of that footage is Cirrus flight test video. Uh, okay, yeah. But when they were certificating the system, yeah, uh, so. I've seen it many times. Nothing to do with this actual. It was part of the CNN story, right? Yeah. The video is apparently CNN, and uh, you know what stunned me most about turning it, pulling up this page. What's that? Down the right side, how many? Funky, bad things happening to airplanes that have been caught on video oh, you were on the side of this. You've never come across that before? Oh, yeah. There's all I kinds of disturbing, weird airplane videos on YouTube. And uh, you do the right search. And um, Of course, what David's referring to is that the uh, whenever you look at a video on YouTube, the down the right-hand column, it has all sorts of related videos. And so we get all planes, all kinds of plane crashes and, you know, near misses and whatnots. Um as a rule, I don't watch them. They disturb me, but uh, but they're there. So anyways, so this is our off-wheel landing of the week. Congratulations to this unknown, uh, presumably French pilot, for uh, for uh, successfully getting on the ground, uh, albeit by way of shoot. But still, good deal. What else we got here? Let's see. Uh, what's next on the list? Oh, here we go. So, um, Winchester Mystery House. The uh, This podcast could poof out of existence at any time now uh, because... 
is it possible that we're really on the verge of actually getting a, a FAA reauthorization, a budget for the FAA? You know, if it hadn't been in all the newspapers and all the aviation trades, even AvWeb, I would doubt it seriously. But it does seem that we may be on the brink of a minor legislative miracle that both the House and the Senate have agreed to. Uh, three years and eight months of reauthorization of the FAA takes it through the end of fiscal uh, 2015. Yeah. What, what, it's what, only taken them five years to get that far. I know. Well, <laughs> what's changed? How did they suddenly make this progress all of a sudden? I, it wasn't sudden. It wasn't no, sudden. Uh, the last two and a half months, the uh, the leaders of the two committees on both sides who were being who, who were being pushed by their respective constituencies finally found some way to give a little inch here and a little inch there uh, to get this off you know, off and running. For example, there was a uh, uh, one one party wanted to roll back. A, uh, a labor rule unrelated to airline, particularly accepted, had to do with how unions could organize at air carriers. Uh, they wanted to roll back a rule completely. Uh, instead, the uh, lawmakers from the other side agreed to a change in the eligibility uh, requirements to have a union selection election at a place. Raising the number of the percentage of people who have to sign cards to fifty point one percent, from it was I believe thirty three percent before or thirty five percent. They wanted to roll it back to a rule where if a majority of people represented by this bargaining unit didn't vote yes, uh, it was rejected because even if a majority of the people who voted said yes. They counted anybody who didn't vote as no. So they changed it. Uh, the, the Labor Relations Board changed the, uh, the ruling to, or the, the, the guideline to say that uh, only 51% or 50.1% of the people who actually vote have to say yes for the union to be approved. Is so that, okay? that stays in place, but what it takes to get to that point of having an election got a little tougher. And there were a couple of other small things here and there. Uh, the long and the short of it is, at least it looks like we're not looking at another shutdown around Oshkosh this year. Yeah, that part's good. So, Jeb, we've got a job for you. Apparently, they're going to create a next-gen czar. Oh, goody. Yeah, I'll throw my resume at that. Yeah. You that. could do it. You could do it. I just know you could. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like the sound of that. Yeah. I'm not kidding, right? I mean, they don't, they're not calling it that, but... the. Uh, in that, I saw this in one of the stories. Let me see if I can find it again. They're, they're going to uh, uh, they're going to create some high level position the, of a person whose job it is to make next gen happen or something like that. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking yeah. about? I mean, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's see. Maybe it was this story. Let's see. I got I got three different stories here on uh, on this this subject here. Uh, oh yeah, there've been a lot of them. Let's see now. According to uh, the story in AvWeb, uh, they're quoting Senator Jay Rockefeller. Uh, let's see now. Uh, the outcome, uh, the bill that takes step to modernize the air traffic control system, uh, make it safer, uh, make certain small communities have access. By the way, did that make it through? So there was a lot of talk at one point about cutting uh, some of the, the funding to... Uh, to they, uh, they've, they've reduced it, but it's still $190 million a year. So yeah. 
most of the markets will still see most of their service. Yeah. More slots at at uh, at National at Reagan National, sorry Jeb, uh, and uh, which Washington I'm, National Airport. I'm so happy about that. Uh, let's see now. So they're going to vote on it. Um, uh, they, the, this came out of committee, and uh, and they're supposed to vote. It came out of a conference committee, which is uh, both both chambers with representatives from both parties in both chambers sitting down and ironing out the details, and then they take it back to their respective. Uh, chambers, the Senate and the House, and get those guys to vote up or down on it. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's what we're waiting on. Yeah. Uh, let's see now. There, the the new post, the creation of a new post called the Chief Next Gen Officer. So that's what we're campaigning. We're going to get Jeb that job. I, I, I've already I've already sent a note to the acting administrator recommending Mr. Burnside <laughs> as as somebody that would be not only appropriate. But excited about the prospect. I'll have to go back and I was out earlier this afternoon. I'll have to go back and check voicemails. It's yeah. interesting too because um, the, apparently in that bill is some um, loan guarantees for the airlines to equip them. It's a next gen improvement fund. I didn't see that. Are they going to give Jeb a loan guarantee to <laughs> put ADSB in to his be airplane? Financial incentive. He says he doesn't need it. And and for the air carriers, it's not a matter of need; it's a matter of require. Ah, yes. Yeah. Well, trust me. By the time they require it, Jeb, I'll have to have a different box. This is what I've been Seriously? saying all along. Yeah, they'll yeah. be. Yeah. There'll be some brand new technology by the time, you know, the requirement date comes along. Anyways, mm-hmm. well, you well, know. The requirement for, for ADSB out is already in place, 2020. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, by the time it actually goes into effect, the box, the transceiver that I have right now, probably for whatever reason, either won't qualify mm-hmm. or will have broken. Yeah, yeah. I, no, that's it, a it's as simple as that. Um, so really, honestly, my decision came down to price point. I did it because I could recoup what it what I was spending in XM over over two years. I believe hmm. it absolutely. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So I believe it, and that alone, I think, is going to make in, even if it's not required, going to make in appealing to a, a, a lot of pilots because when you when you see just that quick turn. From the subscription service savings, mm-hmm. and if you're thinking about upgrading to some kind of gear that's going to require you yet buying yet again another XM receiver, there's a few hundred bucks more right there mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it makes even a separate ADSB inbox uh, kind of attractive, and you get the traffic as a bonus. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another cool video is uh, this guy who got a ride in the back seat of one of the Blue Angels airplanes while uh, while they were doing their um, their uh, formation maneuvers. Very very cool video. I don't know if all four, all three of you have, have watched this video yet, but uh, but uh, this, this guy's riding in the back seat of of one of the aircraft, and he's apparently got a handheld video, which is one thing I have a question about. But the footage that he ended up with is just awesome. Um, you, you, it's you know I. I've watched the Blue Angels any number of times, and you always get this impression about how close together they fly. But boy, <laughs> seeing it from the video in the backseat of this this airplane, they are really close together. I mean, it's pretty amazing how close these guys fly. And uh, very, very nice video. Did you guys look at it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Brought back memories. 
Yeah. Oh, don't tell me you got a ride yeah. in those guys, too. Absolutely. I have never gotten a ride with the Blue Angels. Okay. However, yeah. <laughs> I have gotten to do some military formation flight. Um, I got to fly um, in a squadron of T2 trainees out of Meridian, Mississippi, oh, really? yeah. in the summer, all dressed up, no place to go. They put 40 pounds of gear on me. It was 95 degrees out. And the crew chief wanted to see how, whether I could get my foot into the first slot to climb up into the cockpit, which there was no way I could. It was way too short. <laughs> but he well, sat. He stood there with his arms folded watching. And I was in with the instructor um, for the whole squad. And uh, we went out and we actually did a PAR approach back into the airport in formation. Isn't it and, fun? Oh, going through the clouds that close together. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> I, I, I didn't get to do the formation flying, but I got 90 minutes in the back seat of the number seven Blue Angel ship. Oh, you got 90 cool. minutes? I, did, I knew you got the wow. ride, David. I didn't realize you had 90 minutes. That's like. I had 90 minutes because the weather turned south at the airport and we then they were going to postpone the other two familiarization rides, as they call these things, uh, till the next day. And uh, the lieutenant commander flying with me is like, well, no hurry for us to get back. So what would you like to do? And we went to Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) Took about 12, 13 minutes. Yeah, right. That's great. Did you go supersonic? No, you can't go supersonic over over this. We did not, but we used the afterburner two or three times. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, including one extended 360-degree turn, 90-degree bank, full afterburner, 6.5G. Oh, my God, I came out. I lost an inch and a half of height on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> there was no doing what the gentleman in this, or the, the, the videographer in this. I'm envious as hell. Yeah, you- uh, these are all low-G, uh, you know, smooth maneuvers, nothing abrupt. And I've flown formation and used a camera in the same kind of environment. Uh, I'd, I'd kill to have video of the day that I got to go yeah. up. You, you may have lost a, you may have lost a, a couple inches of height, but more than was compensated by the fact that when you got back down, you were walking six inches off the ground, probably right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah, very very cool. It's true. Even even with forty pounds of gear on, you don't you don't lose that. Yeah. And uh, no. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, this video is really neat. My question about the video is I, I was just a little question, questioning the fact that they let him use a handheld camera in the back seat. I, I just wondered that they weren't more concerned about this camera getting loose and banging around the cockpit while they were upside down or whatever. It just well, it seems come like back to the, the, yeah. character, the characters, uh, characteristics of the flight. This is a four-ship formation. Uh, the the most radical thing that you usually see them do at the shows is a all four of them doing a snap roll with just enough clearance to execute it. Yeah, but it wouldn't necessarily be a dramatic right. maneuver. I mean, if if they were just you know for some reason, you know they were at the nose down point of a loop and this guy lost control of his camera and it fell forward and you know. Well, the second second thing is that you you don't get into an aircraft like that without something. With it, without that part strapped in some way, okay, to some part of your anatomy. So you think it was safety so lines somehow? Get away from you. Yeah. Okay. That makes me feel better. What's next yeah, here? Head down behind the rudder pedals. Yeah, that would be <laughs> yeah. worse than a cat. It'd be worse than a It'd cat. It'd be worse than a cat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It'd be worse than the cat. 
apparently the FAA is going to, they, have they decided or are they just threatening to make changes to the way we uh, submit the paperwork for our medicals? Oh, no, uh, that's a done deal, darling. Yeah, so now you, now, so in the past, I would go in to get my medical, and the first thing they'd do is they'd sit you down in the waiting room with a clipboard, and you'd answer all the questions. And you're right. saying that now you don't do that anymore. You do that now before you go in. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do when you get in there? You say to the doctor, I filled out my form and they look you up online? Is that how it works? Yes, you get, a, you, get a, you get a number and they punch that number in and your medical comes up. Okay. Yep. And this is better? Yeah, because <laughs> it's already in Oak City. All right. Yeah. <laughs> You're assuming that having it in Oak City is a good thing. Well, but, it, uh, it, no, I, I agree with you. Is that better? It, it really depends on whether you have special issuances, how complicated your medical is going to be, um, whether there are any surprises that, that have changed from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really better for people who have no real changes or for people who do have special issuances, and all that stuff had to go to Oak City anyway. Right, and that's that's my next question. So if you have to do a special issuance and you have to submit all kinds of other medical test results and whatnot, how, how does that get into the system? Do you, that's the old-fashioned way? You mail it? You get it all in there ahead of time. You, so, you, go ahead. You could, bring, you could still bring some of that with you to the office, but... <laughs> That's going to go more and more electronic records under the uh, Health Care Insurance Improvement Act over the next few years. I'm a, all my doctors now, everything we do now, I, I, I go in to see somebody. They call up all my stuff on on, on a computer. Yeah, phone. no, I've seen that as well. So, that, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. I, I just I, Now, of course, the other problem that peop, some people are complaining about is that this system presumes that everyone has ready access to a, a computer that's online, which, yes. y, you know, we might think that's kind of obvious, but I don't wouldn't necessarily presume that every pilot in America ha, is, is a, you know, computer on the Internet. No, uh, nor would I, and, and AOPA and EAA would tell you the same thing, but this is a generational thing that's a shrinkage factor, yeah. okay? I mean, yeah. my, my father-in-law, my late father-in-law uh, passed on at 83, and he'd been a computer junkie for 15 years. Uh, but on the other hand, I go to this little club meeting every week, and a couple of the old guys are same age. Uh, you know, they're not remotely interested. So when they need to have something done that involves a computer, they don't go to the public library, which is what some folks worry about will happen here. They go to their one of their kids' houses because the kids are our age or, you know, uh, in their 40s or 50s or 30s, and they're definitely online. So in 10 years, this won't even be an issue, I suspect. Well, yeah, in 10 years, I suspect it will be very, very little of an issue. But uh, No, I mean, if they really want to make it seamless, if they want to make the system really work smoothly, what you need to be able to do is submit your medical uh, application by Twitter. And uh, then then you just kind of 140 characters, you know, I Mm -hmm. am well, smiley face, all right? And uh, I feel great. Yeah, self-certification, right? Well, that could... You could get close to that if they'd ever dial the medical certificate application down to the nothing has changed since last year. You could do that in 140 characters. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're saying this is happening now. Anybody who goes for their medical tomorrow it has to have already entered the application online. I think the cutoff's the end of the fiscal year. 
I, I don't know. I'm asking you guys. I, I, uh, let's no, see. it's October 1. That's The cutoff is October 1. After that's a, October that's the 1. That's next fiscal year. So Is that the end of the fiscal year? Okay. September 30 is. So, yeah, the, the, the cutoff is the end of the fiscal year. And the next day, you've got to be wired. But starting on in October, we do it the new fang- fangled way. Yes? yes? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, what's next here? I'm sorry, I'm jumping around on the list a little bit here. Um, so, Jeb, you'll be glad to hear that the FAA is cracking down on, on, uh, on uh, drones in the airspace. Oh, but not their the own. Yes. Not, not the not federal the government's drones. We've been hearing this story a lot lately that uh, more and more private groups and private individuals are tr- are starting to fly um, remotely piloted vehicles in the airspace, usually for relatively benign commercial reasons, like uh, as a photo platform. David, you talked about this, I think, or um, and uh, and news reporters and citizen reporters are, are starting to do this kind of thing too. And the FAA is now uh, uh, chimed in by saying, "Time out." We're not sure this is this is kosher. You shouldn't be doing this. Um, so, so some of the uh, some of the graphic capture stuff that I've seen used, and the folks that I've talked to have used it. Uh, it's not always clear to them that there's actually a ceiling above which they need to be paying attention to the National Airspace System plan and air traffic and FAA regulations. Because most of the time they never fly that high. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they're flying 40 or 50 feet off the ground, or uh, they've got a little aerostat that they can raise up with the camera on it that goes 75 feet up. Uh, kind of like the stuff that you might see at a, at, a, at, a, at a car lot with a big promotion. Uh, it's just low enough not to, to, to uh, trigger being uh, uh, subject to federal air regulations. Yeah, but see, the you more take co- a little step beyond that, though, and there you are. Yeah, but but where it gets more interesting is that the feds are now claiming that even if you are below whatever the you know the ceiling is, um, and apparently there's sort of a I don't know if it's actually a letter of agreement, but there's some sort of unofficial, casual kind of of of, of, of you know guidelines. Um, the FAA is now trying to claim that even if you're within those guidelines, that there is, quote, an existing prohibition against using um, what they're calling UASs for commercial purposes. So even if you're okay to fly this, this uh, RC aircraft um, you know, in the airspace, you're not allowed to use it for commercial purposes. What's that all about? Why, what is that all about? I don't, I don't get that at all. I'm not sure. Really not. Jack, uh, you just faded way away. No. Jackson. Jack? Huh. Yeah, it is strange. He did that once earlier, but this time it's really bad. Jack. Jack, did you sneak off to get another beer and not tell us? Because if you did, I could have used one, too. Bring me one. We can't hear you. No, it's worse. It's not better. Well, okay, here we go again. Just to keep the conversation going. Oh, sure. What? Hi. I just got a message that says I'm here. Did you guys Yeah, I got that, too, but he's not. Okay. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> well, to keep the conversation going while he's doing that, the, okay. uh, the, the part of the story here says that the, uh, uh, the, the, the authorities had become aware of these real estate agents running these camera-equipped platforms to do aerial images of 
properties they represent. And they were flying at, quote, unquote, several hundred feet uh-huh. and might have violated FAA guidelines. Okay, that's definitely into, if you're flying at four or 500 feet off the ground to take pictures of property, uh, gee, I hate to tell you, but you've noticed the helicopter traffic in the L.A. Basin? Well, time yeah, out a second. exactly. Time, time out a second here. If, if uh, even according to this story, <clears throat> um, there are, FAA has voluntary guidelines. Uh, there's a link in this one. The guidelines date from 1981 that advises owners of RC aircraft, radio-controlled aircraft, to restrict those aircraft operations to no more than 400 feet in altitude and populated areas in full-sized aircraft. Okay. Well, in in the the phrase "populated area" is rather ambiguous. Um, the FAA has, on occasion, described a populated area as one in which there's a house. Okay, uh, right. but this this is a guideline. This is not a regulation. What we're talking about here. Uh, so putting putting that aside, um, what I glean from that is I can fly an RC aircraft, and there are some, as we've all seen over the years, some some interesting videos of some very substantial radio controlled aircraft. No issues, no question. Um, so that's legal. Now, if I put a camera on that and I use it somehow to make, uh, to, to, in my, um, in my make, make a livelihood here, all of a sudden that's not legal. Is that what the FAA is saying? Someone, sure someone help like me it. out here. Someone help sure me out here. Sound- Amy? Well, it uh, it does sound like there are issues with the com- commercial side of this. Why? And it sounds like um, they don't like the altitudes either. I I, I I'm with Dave on that. Is that you start getting up four five hundred feet in the air and there's traffic, and it's not mm-hmm. like those RCs are are painting anywhere. I, I, I don't mean, disagree with you, and and you know, help me out here because I'm not saying that it's it's right. I'm I'm saying the cat's already out of the bag. This ship has sailed. Trains left the station. They're already oh, allowing RC operations up to 400 feet. Uh, so what difference does it make if it's a UAS versus an RC? I don't. That's a distinction without a difference. Well, I agree with you. I think I think they're they basically um, they're coming out with with uh you can't do this and the reality is put them in jail you won't be able to mm-hmm. there's no well, reg yeah there's, there's, there's no, there's no reg there's no there's no law that has to be, that is that is being violated here um and what i think the fia is trying to get at here in their own inimitable way is <laughs> is uh they want to regulate the commercial use of of remotely piloted vehicles or autonomous aerial vehicles or RC vehicles, or or whatever the hell you want to call these things. Um, well, and and there's a side of me that almost doesn't mind if they do that to a certain. Well, there's a side of me that that doesn't mind that also, as as one who, you know, occasionally will fly at less than 400 feet. Generally, when I'm taking <laughs> off and landing. Gulp, but yeah. Okay. Um, generally. Generally. Uh, <laughs> there's always exceptions, but. Uh, um, there's another side of me that says, you know, dude, it's a, it's an RC airplane. You lost this battle long, long ago to regulate them uh, in some airspace, and that airspace being at or below 400 feet. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, 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 I agree with you. Something that bears recognition here is that that voluntary guideline that the hobby, hobbyists agreed to with the FAA 31 years ago, 40, mm-hmm. 31 years ago, that what passes for remote-controlled aircraft has evolved enormously. No question about yeah, it. Yeah, here, I hear here for that, and no nobody... question about it. And as I said earlier, the, the, some of these some of these RC aircraft are fairly substantial. They're fast. They're big. They're heavy, <laughs> and they look they like the real thing. If, and they look yeah, like they, the real thing, and they will hurt you if they run into your LSA. They weren't, or, they, or or even your. They weren't carrying air. They will hurt production you. Production grade video equipment, or production grade, you know, professional grade still digital cameras. Uh, you know, something with a lipstick camera that transmits an image to somebody on the ground, and you can get away with a pretty small. Uh, you can get away with a pretty small uh, platform. Well, the so, some of the some of these some cameras, two hundred bucks, are HD. Yeah. Exactly. And and whether they they store the the images on board or beam them down via Wi-Fi to to you know a laptop or something like that is really not even material. I agree with you, uh, but anyway, the, the big thing for me is that a lot of this stuff that they're talking about here, substantial pieces of of camera equipment, yep. which means that the machine carrying it's got to be a substantial machine. Mm, see, I, I I disagree with you there too. Um, the, the, the one of the reasons is um, first of all, again, we've got all these substantial RCs out there that are that are can you know, not only can they carry a camera, but they're carrying you know four and eight engines sometimes, yeah. um, and and all the radio gear and servos and everything like that. And and fr- from the performance that I've seen, uh, they have it to burn. Uh, they have oh, yeah. plenty of they have plenty of performance and they can carry the extra weight of a camera. Well, Here's the here's the thing. One of these days is going to come down just like it did in Nevada when you had the glider and the and the corporate jet intersect each other and you're going to have one of these big RCs or UAVs and an airplane intersect each right. other. It's it's right. going to happen. It's inevitable if we don't at least force them to to put some kind of transponder on if they're going to be above a certain altitude. Well, these these hobbyists flying these really large-scale machines, they're not flying them over neighborhoods to take pictures of people. They're flying them at designated areas where there's clear airspace. In some cases, they're even charted. Uh, yeah. To me, that's what separates this whole commercial aspect of it from from what was covered by the, the 81 guidelines and the uses that were foreseen in the 81 guidelines. So I'm like Amy. I, I don't think uh, them addressing this is, is such a bad idea. Uh, hopefully they can do it in a way that will let these people. You guys there? Can you hear me? Yeah, there he is. All right. You back? Yeah, I think so. Jeb, are you there? I'm here. You both, you and Dave are very faint. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. There's some weird connectivity thing going on here, and, and uh, I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, you know what it is? It is the sunspots. Could be. Could be. Yeah. No, it's 
there's some guy at the NSA who's who's put his <laughs> his hostess cupcakes on the keyboard, and it's it somehow turned down Dave's volume. Okay, uh, it, I've I've double checked it all, and it is what it is. David, is you're back. It's you're way better. better. You're way See, better. It David. was the cupcake. It was the cupcake. <laughs> all right. I have to tell you, I have never felt so powerless in my entire life, all right, than you guys are just going on holding the podcast, and I can't talk to you, and I can't tell you, oh, my gosh. But you guys did good. That was very nice. I liked it. I, uh, you just had a nice little conversation there about the – so uh, – so uh, the uh, oh, UAVs, you got it all. the UAVs, yeah, you did, you did great. I was listening. I just couldn't chime in. Um, but uh, uh, so the UAVs are they're doing their thing, and for some reason they're stopping the commercial ones, right? Yeah. So the weird thing was you'd you'd send a text message throughout here and go whoop whoop, but I couldn't see the freaker. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, all right. I couldn't see it either. I I could hear it, but I, I couldn't. Could. <laughs> well, it's, I, I was clicking. I said, what, "Where do I see the?" Some combination of the uh, some combination of the NSA and the internet is telling us that we are reaching the end of our allotted time. So uh, shout outs. What do we got here? Uh, who's got a shout out? Let's see. You come back next year, and I'll try to and I'll try to be there. I swear. I promise. January seventeenth through twentieth. 2013 for Sebring, right? Sebring, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Hey, you know, Amy, before we, so this is not exactly a shout out, but uh, we didn't get a chance to ask you what you thought of the Sebring show. Uh, Um, I I actually thought it was um, small, but I I totally agree with what Jeb was saying in an earlier podcast, which was it was maybe right-sized, you know, it was, it was just enough that you could you could take it in and and really i got the sense that um vendors were relaxed and ready to talk to you at length which was nice yeah 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 Yeah. so yeah the dates for next year january 17 through 20 is it wait a minute now when where did you hear these dates because when i spoke to jana on uh, on saturday she was uncertain of the dates but uh, they've announced them since then a couple of days ago yep okay excellent Excellent. She told me they're trying to coordinate the races. That's exactly right. That's what she told me that they wanted to wait until the Sebring racetrack had announced their schedule, because apparently they you can't hold the the Sebring LSA fly in when they're holding races at the uh, at the track because you apparently dude dude the place only has so many hotel rooms. Exactly. (laughs) Apparently there's only so many decibels too because I'm told that that you actually cannot hear each other talk way over there on that ramp when the race cars are going. That's what I'm told. Well, there's, no, there's no question the noise is an issue, but it's really a matter of, of, of size and space yeah. of the area. I'm sure it's that as well. Uh, so, yeah. Parking, whatever. We'll see everybody next time at Sebring. Who else has got a shout-out? I'm not oh. going to say the guy's name. Uh, it's, in the, it's in the news story here. I'm not going to say the guy's name. But, dude, um, next time you try to hand-prop a Cessna 172RG in the snow, um, <laughs> Maybe pointed away from the building. Yeah. Oh my! It got away from him and went right into the terminal building, right? Right. And I've seen this before. There was the, the time. I'm sure it's happened a lot. Actually, uh, I happened years ago when I was still a student pilot at my home airport. Um, uh, a buddy of mine was working at the line, working the line, and and a guy comes in in a tri pacer, says, "You know, top top it off. I got a I got a business meeting. Top the airplane off. Taxi, put it away. Tops the airplane off." Hops in it. He's used to taxiing Cessnas and whatnot, and cranks up his tri pacer and can't find the brakes. <laughs> oh, can't find the brakes. Taxis it into the building. 
Oops. And heel brakes instead of toe brakes. But now, you know, so, yeah, we've heard this story many times, uh, the, the whole yeah. idea of propping an airplane that then gets away from you. But the mm. this news story about this particular one implies that maybe that's that's not the whole story. I, I don't know exactly what they're... It, it kind of sort of does imply that. Um, but the flip side of which is... Um, how do you do that if you're if you're if you're not hand propping the airplane? Yeah, but what uh, kind of airplane was it again? I don't have the story so, in front of me. It's a one seventy two RG. I looked it up. To, I looked up the engine. Okay, so which you, is not the <laughs> easiest airplane to to hand prop either. Thank oh, you very much. My point thank exactly. Thank you very much. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. What, I'm not sure that this is. You know, we we may have to pay attention and find out what the rest of the story is here. So uh, well, it's it's on, on one level. No, it's not the easiest airplane to hand prop. On another level, it's a it's an uh, it's a O three sixty. O three sixties get hand propped all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't, okay. I don't it's kind of at there. the upper limit where you want to screw around with hand propping. Yeah, it is. I, yeah. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want you or anybody else to hand prop my IO five twenty. Not uh, gonna uh, happen, okay. dude. You it's don't okay. Have to worry I'm not volunteering. Me. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to worry about me ever. Uh, trying. No way. No how. Yeah. No time. Okay. Other shout outs. Who's got something? Planes, trains, and automobiles. Plant City. Yeah. Florida. A weekend before Sun and Fun opens. It's a little event they started last year. Uh, I heard about it when we were down there last year uh, during, uh, you know, the the run up to Sun and Fun. But by the time I heard about it, it was already done. So... I'm not sure if I'm going to be there early enough this year, but if I am, it sounds like a lot would be a good way to kill a few hours, go over and uh, see what they bring to Plant City. Nice airport. If you've never visited there, it's a great place to fly into if you're goosey about flying into Lakeland itself. And it is under the no-town. Cool. Yeah. yeah. What else? Anybody? That, no. that, that's it. I guess we're done. We're done. Hey, Amy, it was great to have you back on the hangar. We, uh, it's been way, way too long, and that was my doing. Nobody else's. Uh, I, uh, my, my oversight, I should say. Um, and uh, we're very, very pleased that we had an opportunity to get you back in here. So uh, thank you, and uh, uh, look forward to the next time. Amy Loboda is a uh, freelance aviation writer and the editor-in-chief of Aviation for Women magazine. Amy, where can people find you on the Internet? People can find me at www.afwdigital.org or wai.org. And I have to tell you that I have missed you guys. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. So I'm missed, very, very happy, very happy to be back on the show. Thanks. All right. We won't wait six months again for the next time. <laughs> Absolutely not. And Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the Internet? AviationSafetyMagazine.com is a great place to start. Actually, I'm just getting ready to sit down here in the next few days and crank out another issue. Uh, JEBurnside.com uh, is a personal website. There's AEA.net, avweb.com, and uh, you know you never know where I might show up. And and you caused quite the sensation uh, in the uh, in the UCAP listener community here. What, what what were you thinking when you selected the cover for the February issue? I just it, <laughs> it passes all understanding why you put that guy on the cover of your magazine. Well, two 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 good close friends uh, were inspecting. Uh, 
uh, one of them's uh, Aronka Champ uh, some time ago, and I happen to be there with my camera, as I want to do sometimes. And uh, you and the airplane and, and uh, the other guy just got in the way. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So we did not manage to spoil the picture of the champ is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And Dave Higdon is here. Dave is a, an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, avbuyer.com, AEA.net, that's Safety Magazine from time to time, uh, and a couple of other places where they actually pay me extra not to use my name. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks, as always, to Jeff Ward for creating our show notes and for all the other help that he gives us on the podcast. Thanks to Mike Morgan, to Roy Searle, to Randa Dufault, and all the other folks who have created the cool audio clips that we use uh, in the podcast from time to time. We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage in the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big, big help. And don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings, webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. Hmm. David, were you, hmm, were you going to say something? Live long. Go fast. Go fly. Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. That means you get extra hours. Bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Yeah, let's take a fork in this one. <laughs> Neville, you have control of the board. Select a category. Disclaimers for 100. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are appearing as this. Neville. What is private individuals? Correct. Select again. Disclaimers for 200. Their comments do not necessarily reflect these. Neville. What is the opinions of the organizations they work for? Yes. Select again. Disclaimers for 300. Anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously this. Neville. What is very general? That's it. Disclaimers for 400. You should always remember your training, consider your situation, and fly this. Neville. What is the aircraft? Yes. Select. Disclaimers for 500. But you knew this. Robert. What's a lineys? No, Wendy. What is the punchline? No, Neville. What is that? Correct, but you knew that. Congratulations, Neville. You have swept the category. <laughs>